Audacious Compassion, Episode 20, Cute Cat Photo. Toothpaste and lemonade Polka dots and stripes You're a dark night And I'm the day We're a wreck and that's alright Hello and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Melissa. And I'm Gregory. And today we'll be talking about accepting your feelings and making intentional choices when you're in an unpleasant situation. So, Gregory, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. My calves are sore. (laughs) We did some walking. Yeah. uh, So we went to March for Our Lives, the protest rally, whatever you want to call it, um, that was in across the U.S., but specifically in... It turns out. Oh, nice. Yes. Specifically Charlotte. Charlotte Uptown had had a pretty decent-sized event. This is this is a a rally for gun reform for gun control. Yeah. Um this is avoiding school gun violence. Right. Right. And this is this is sort of arisen in the wake of the um Parkland Florida high school shooting on Valentine's Day. Yeah. This year. I hadn't realized that it was on the 14th. Yeah. So your feet hurt, your calves hurt. Yeah, and it was really cool to see a whole lot of people out there, the leadership shown by a lot of the young people, because this was heavily organized um, by high schoolers mm-hmm. and young adults, young, young adults. Right. That was kind of buoying. Yeah. But there's still that sort of frustration with the current state of things that I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could wave my hand and, like, be the dictator of the world... Just get rid of all the guns, like every gun in the universe. Sure. Like paintball, sure, whatever. I don't, you know. Yeah. Something for sport, like for biathlon, okay, whatever. But like no things designed to kill people should exist anymore or ever. That's what I'd like. Yes. That's not going to happen. Right. Especially in the in the U.S., a lot of the things that I feel are common sense aren't going to happen. Right. And are not common sense. It is not a common belief that they are common sense. Right, right. So I'm finding myself seeing these these measures being advocated, which are almost certainly absolutely the right things to advocate. Raising the, the price of, of being able to purchase a gun, better background checks. Uh, banning military-style rifles. Yeah, um, revoking the, the law that prohibits research into gun violence mm-hmm. uh, from getting federal funding. These are all. These all seem like they have at least a decent chance of passing, of <laughs> making progress. Yes. And focusing on the lobbying and and money influence of the the National Rifle Association is another like thing that is in, more in the realm of possibility than destroying all guns everywhere. <laughs> right. But it's still frustrating to to see these things being advocated and be like. That's such a minor thing. Right. Like, why can't we just <laughs> yeah, like, stop being obsessed with guns? Yeah. Yeah. To say, to say we care about people dying and therefore we should prevent a certain age of people from getting murder weapons and, yeah. like, allow some research. Like, that's... Yeah. It's, it's bizarre that that is so difficult. I kind of have to consciously be like, no, I, I, I would rather we accomplish something... 
then we accomplish nothing, right? Yeah. Like, anything worth doing is worth doing badly is a phrase that I've had in my head a lot lately, where it's better to do something that you know will or are confident will actually improve things and accept that some of the other stuff you want won't happen right Mm -hmm. away uh, than to hold out for everything you want. Right. But still, I have these feelings of like, why can't we do yeah. different? Why can't everything be the way I want it to be? Of course. Uh, so that's that's a... Which everyone else is screaming in their heads sure, too, yes, right? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> um, and it's been a challenge. Yeah. I found it really hopeful to see how many people came out for that. Yeah. It, there are times where, perhaps because of the internet, like the internet has given me... A delightfully global perspective on things, but in some ways, it also makes me feel very alone locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I live in a state that's very Republican. I live in a city that is relatively liberal in that space. But to go out and say, "Oh, there's a bunch of people here that will vote similar to me in the polls," probably was heartening. Yeah, yeah. So, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. I have this sort of interestingly recurring situation with my shrink. It's like ecologist it's shrink might not be a nice term hey shrink I, I don't yeah know. i don't i don't know if if it's i think it might just be a joke at this point yeah. like, i don't know if it's lost the anyway it kind of arises from the fact that like we do stuff like this podcast and we have done a lot of stuff on um you know nonviolent communication and um, sort of interpersonal communication and self-empathy and stuff like that yeah we're kind of social justice and relationship geeks yeah but I have a shrink. Like I, need, I feel like I need an outside perspective on things. Yeah, um, definitely. There's, right. there's sort of thinking about things in the abstract, and then there's like actually practicing what you preach is, is yeah. tricky. And and getting a sense of what is normal. It's, it's like like the living in a bubble, right? right. Like we, I talk to the same people all the time. Our, my our idea of normality is different than the rest of the world, and different than the psychiatric or psych ecological community mm-hmm. anyway as a result of this and sort of the, the ethics and moral stances that i've developed over the years sometimes some less increasingly but sometimes i just get really out of sync with my psychologist he'll propose a method or a, have a suggestion that i'm just like wait what like that's that's not a thing i would do <laughs> is it is it that it seems kind of facile and obvious or just that it's like not in line with your values sometimes both or either one so having a conflict with someone at work or they're having a conflict with me and he's like can you just say something to him and on the surface that is a totally reasonable like be an assertive person you know stand up for yourself set boundaries that is that is ostensibly in line with the thing yes but if you if you <laughs> knowing you haven't done that already there's probably a good reason well i mean maybe i do go see a psychologist for a reason sure right? yes but you you are certainly outspoken right but you know hr is involved and mm-hmm. like there are all the like that's my ass getting put on the line mm-hmm. <laughs> that's me putting myself at who's gonna record this conversation there's all sorts of things like that that just leave me kind of going like i guess i'm not getting advice on this particular topic until we circle back around on it. There are some of those things where it has taken it has taken a long time by my standards for us to 
understand each other on a particular thing. And relationships, being polyamorous, being a relationship anarchist, some of those things are so philosophically different that he might suggest we'll just break up with the person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is what does breaking up even mean when yeah. I'm not being harmed? Like, there's no harm here, right? So anyway, um, yes. it's interesting. It, it means that not only do I have an incremental relationship with my own problems, I also have one with my therapist and the quality of suggestions I get from him. Yeah, it's one of those things where the, the therapist definitely has expertise that you don't. Right. But it's very generalized. Yes, yes. And so you... I mean, a good therapist, and it sounds like yours is a good one, is going to adapt their approach yes. as they grow to understand someone. But you're still starting from a whole bunch of assumptions uh-huh. that, at, you know, at the beginning of that process, is like, well, you don't get me at all. Right. And we each have to sort of set our own baseline of what's okay. So, like, the amount to which I work and the number of projects I'm on mm-hmm. and all of those things shift what his advice can be. Because for a lot of people who are overworked, you say, well, what are your priorities? And they say, my kids are my priority, and my spouse is my priority, and then my job. And you ask me what my priorities are, and I'm like, obviously, my job, I have to work, and need money, then games, then people, or not that order. Which one? Which of the the 15 things I'm doing, which five are getting dropped this week, right? And so the the decision is a, a little different, because I don't the the advice stop doing ever stop doing stuff is never going to be effective for me i don't think yeah um I, so i don't know it's just an ongoing process and it it makes for some weird conversations and plenty of things don't get resolved for a long time and part of that is me coming around to the recognizing like that what he's saying is the healthier decision um and sometimes it is him coming around to these are the ethical merits of the decision that was made right Mm -hmm. like so it's 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 an interesting process we learn a lot from each other (laughs) every session so that's pretty cool so our prompt this week is from an anonymous friend who is struggling a bit with uh one of their house mates (laughs) so uh it reads dear y'all help me not hate my puppy My teenage son called me in a panic recently because our puppy had bitten him on the finger. It turned out that it was a bit of an overreaction, as it was a scratch. The puppy is only four pounds. I still find myself really disliking the dog. I know he's a dog and a puppy, but in addition to him biting my son, he also barks, which jars my nerves. I don't like that I have all these negative feelings about a baby animal who really can't help these behaviors. But here we are. Help. From Anxious in Puppyland. I hear you. I hear you, Anxious. Dog. Puppies and kittens. They are so cute. Kind of the worst housemates ever. (laughs) Yeah, this is... I mean, I don't like dogs. Generally. They're pretty awesome. Uh, I like... I like... I like all of these animals. <laughs> yes. I, I. There's sort of a personality disconnect with actually <laughs> dogs and many children for me. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent that, like, I think that lately I have been overly dismissive. I've built up a habit of making quote-unquote jokes about how bad dogs and children are. Mm-hmm. And am actually being rude and ageist because they're i mean fundamentally dogs are creatures of a certain nature yes and children are 
humans with certain I mean, every child is different, but you're going to have these kind of this array of neurological differences that are just like as one's brain develops and as one gets more life experience, mm-hmm. behavior changes. Right. I think it is wrong to be like... To say that children are awful? Yeah, to say that children are awful or, no. the, or the way children behave is awful or the way that dogs behave is awful. Like, something not to my taste does not mean it's bad, and also there's no point in me, like, criticizing in that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's hateful to do so. Yeah, and, I mean, our querent hates their puppy. I mean, it sounds like they do right now. They do, yeah. And I've had a lot of puppies uh, over the years in my childhood. And I 150% get it. I'm a person who's very bothered by loud, piercing noises. Mm-hmm. And so dogs barking. And this includes young children mm-hmm. like doing that, like, what's the shape of this room squeal that they do. Mm-hmm. That also is unpleasant. So, yes. Puppies and kittens just chew on things. Mm-hmm. I did not know cats also chewed on, kittens chewed on things until I woke up one morning to find my speaker wires had been chewed through. That's right. So I was like, oh, I didn't get a puppy. I'll be all right. And then there was that. So I totally understand that. And And I think that the fact that this is going to happen and that the animal is not to blame for his act, you know, like you can't expect the animal to do better. Right. There's not really a good way to make that behavior stop any faster than standard training will provide, right? Anything beyond let them grow and put things in your electrical sockets so they can't put their tongue in there is going to probably be abusive. Um, Yeah. Because you're, you're trying to shift the personality of the creature such that it does not want to do what it wants to do. Uh, Yeah. So there's that. But Um, at the same time, even though all that is the case and that it's kind of silly to blame the from from a from a practical perspective to blame the animal mm-hmm. the feeling of frustration of disturbance of hate whatever is like valid totally it's, yes it's absolutely valid like someone's there is someone who lives in your house that just yells all the time <laughs> and bites other people and bites people like yep this is not a great situation <laughs> Even knowing it will pass. This too shall pass is not actually very comforting. Right. It's like you just get to be angry for a while. Right. One thing I will say, this is probably an unpopular opinion, is if you have a young puppy and it's not a good fit for your home, you can rehome said puppy. By which I mean find someone who wants a puppy and does not mind that their child getting chewed on or perhaps does not have children or whatever. Yeah, it's it's not like it's a it's a violent adult dog. This is this puppy is probably going to get better. Right. Yes, puppies. And this is the fact of puppyhood. Right. And if it turns out that that's not a good fit for you, then uh, it could be that the most responsible thing is to rehome the puppy. Mm-hmm. The the idea that once you have invited someone to live with you, you must keep them forever. Uh, I think is an incorrect one yeah <laughs> and it's, it's it's one of those things that's like you gave consent once um, yeah no which you, is you, not you don't have an obligation like having a responsibility doesn't mean you have an obligation right you also have an obligation to your own health um yeah. 
Which is not to say dump the dog, obviously, right? Right. Like, the alternative to having it in your home is not throwing it away or something horrendous. It's rehome it. Yeah. So I think that's an option. I think there are people who either due to perhaps not realizing their own current life state or the balance shifting in a family. So you get a dog. The agreement is, and this happens with children all Mm -hmm. the time, is the kids are going to take care of the dog. Kids are going to be the one to help train it. A lot of that responsibility is going to fall on them. Or it's going to fall on one parent who really wanted it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work that way. Maybe. Right? Like, turns out that shifts. Kids are bad at animals often. Or, you know, it turns out that they're bad at animals in this case. Or it turns out that the parent works too much and isn't, or was perhaps attracted to the cuteness of an animal Mm -hmm. rather than the reality of it. And it stops being a good fit. So, rehoming it is not the worst idea. And I think if you don't want to rehome it. Which is also fine. That is a thing that you you can decide to do. Yes. And the you know, the question yeah. is, is it still worth it having this animal around despite your feelings? And if it is, mm-hmm. then there's presumably some benefits to right. having it around. Yes. And if those are worth it, then you can still feel all the frustration and, and so on. Exactly. But that perspective is useful. I, w- I would say don't make yourself a martyr over it, right? Like... I'm the long-suffering parent who lets my family have a dog. Yeah, because that's still kind of like (laughs) setting up a justification or an excuse for for this situation where it's like, oh, the gift I am giving to my family is this. It's like, (laughs) no. If If there's some joy in it. Yeah. If you like seeing your family hang out with this dog, it's not that you're doing this for your family. Mm -hmm. Really, it's that you're, you're doing it for the enjoyment of seeing your family around the dog. Right. So there's that. And I think, so part of what I see here is that the question asker doesn't like how they feel. Mm -hmm. So perhaps they want to love the dog. (laughs) Yeah. It's not pleasant to feel some feelings. Like, they're hard. Mm -hmm. They're very hard. They can induce anxiety. They can lead to sort of fixating. Like, oh God, what's what's it doing now? What's it doing now? Right? Like, but they're what you're feeling, right? Yeah. And it's, it might, this seems like one of the situations where you kind of have to sit, you have to move through it yeah. instead of trying to sidestep it. And you can certainly supplement those feelings in some way. So if there is something that you're getting from the dog that's good, you can kind of sit in that situation yes. where like you like playing with a dog, didn't play with dog, like, right. like so... experience that joy also. And it doesn't. You can feel both of those things at the same time. We're very good at contradictory emotions. And very bad at acknowledging that we have them. Yeah. I don't know if this is a cultural thing, but we want to be able to sum up the state of things in, like, a sentence. I feel good about the situation. I feel bad about it. Or I'm indignant or I'm, like, you want to be able to list one thing. And so to say, it's a mixed bag, which is probably the answer most of the time, is a hard thing to do. Yeah, I think just about any pet owner... Is constantly feeling, at least, annoyance and love for their animal. Like For every cute cat picture you see, there's two times I've cleaned up barf. But it strikes me that something that might be a good process here, just to sort of start the process of moving on on these feelings, or at least seeing these feelings, is to do a bit of nonviolent communication 
on themselves. Oh, I thought you were going to say with the dog. Um, All right, puppy, when you bark. Here are some cards. Feel... <laughs> Please don't drool on them. Nope, you drew it on the cards. Puppies don't drool. They'll just chew on them. <laughs> yeah, I like to sit and say, when you bit my son, I felt blank mm-hmm. because I need blank. Need safety. I need, need peace. Well, need. They don't need safety. They want their kid to be safe, right? Like yeah, so need. This, that gets yeah. Try not to need, try not to need things for your kids or for other people, but yes, because but, I need family and don't want my kid to get tetanus and. But I mean, okay, so that's actually a good point, right? So this this situation is not about the the scenario as proposed mm-hmm. is the dog bit my kid and I'm annoyed at the situation that happened. Right? Mm-hmm. There's an overreaction. There's a scratch. In addition to biting, he also barks, which jars my nerves. So there's like this. The first part of this is don't hurt my kids, which is actually mm-hmm. not a need. That's not a. Yeah. Right. So is the fundamental need here one for peace across the board? And it sounds like a safety issue because biting was involved once. Yeah. Um, that's sort of like. When, when we say that it is not a need to have your kids not hurt, I think what we're saying is that protecting your kids serves something inside you right yes because not all parents have that need (laughs) right it's it's a it's a strategy that you're using to yes to satisfy your own desire to be a good parent or to have this kid around and happy right given the mention of an overreaction Mm -hmm. right there's there was clearly drama around this yeah so there so a desire for calm is also a, a legit need right like there's there are whole charts of, of lists of needs to kind of to kind of draw from. But I think that that process of look at not only this situation, but the situations in which the barking bothers you, mm-hmm. in which playing is fun, in which seeing him play with your family is fun, if, if it is. Mm-hmm. Any other annoyances? Like, I'm bothered by the sound of dog nails on wood. Mm-hmm. Click, 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 click right like that too any of those scenarios flesh those out like examine your feelings see if there's something other than annoyance hate is tricky yeah um it is an emotion but try and specify that further there might be more unpacking to do there and we've so far been assuming that this is a full description of the situation. Mm-hmm. If you're annoyed at the situation where your kid got bitten and overreacted, there might be some component of that that's related to that overreaction. Yeah, that's about, that's about the kid, right? Like, Yeah, like, you're surely justified in your anger at the dog. Yes. But some of that anger might not actually be about the dog. Right. And likewise, anytime you've got a pet, I always find pets more annoying when I'm having a bad day. Yes. And so it might be that... If your other, if your baseline stress is already high, yeah. then yes, barking and overreacting phone calls. Yeah, that, that surface stressor is legit. Absolutely. Legit hard and, and your feelings about it are real. But, and, a, and a thing to manage. You yes. still have to manage it. Yes. Yeah. But there might also be other things that are related to it mm-hmm. that are, if not for those things, this wouldn't be bugging you as much. Yep. So I would say take some paper, print out like the NBC feelings list and the NBC needs list and like just sit and work through that. Take, if you're a daily journaler or something like that, mm-hmm. then take that half hour and... Just sort of start working through some of those, and you'll think of more instances. And as instances arise, you can go back to that. Um, getting getting those like feelings and situations out in clear language yes. 
means that you can examine them and and that they become encompassable. Right. Because if you've... I find that when I have sort of looped everything up and... And I mean, I know this was an email, right? So it was mm-hmm. written in a particular style, but help me not hate my puppy mm-hmm. is kind of a... This is the conclusion I have reached is that I hate my yeah. puppy. And that, like I said, again, this is an email, right? right. So it, was, it had to be summarized. But it's undoubtedly more nuanced than that. I think there's a lot of value in exploring that in particular. But there is also the fact that this too will pass. The puppy's going to get older. Everything's impermanent. Your teenage son will hopefully get less dramatic. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe who not. Who knows? And, and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't minimize the feelings you're having now right but it should be some at least some comfort that they're not forever right but much like with politics you know if Mm -hmm. you could snap your fingers you might wish for a dog that was old and older and calmer and a teenage son that could (laughs) measure what was worth the parental call right and that's the i wish there were no things designed to kill people in the world (laughs) yeah it's like But instead, that, you can, that might be a nice, you know, it yeah. might be a nice thing to have all that be true, <laughs> but you can't right right now. But you can perhaps set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Hey, kiddo, uh, let's talk about without getting graphic. Like, let's talk about the specifics of degrees to which you need to call me about a physical injury. Right? Yeah. If you think a doctor needs to be involved, yeah, or. This is how I ask that you talk to me about this. Yeah. The difference of like, hey, my finger really hurts and I want comfort from you versus my finger really hurts and I think I need to go to the hospital. Those are two different situations that you can be clearer about. Right. Um, And same thing with the the dog. Like, there are things you can do when the dog barks that are fine. Like, if if the dog barking is bothering you, put it further away in the house. Yeah. That's okay sometimes. Yeah. And it, it feels like more work. It feels mm-hmm. like more work to set these boundaries with humans. It feels like more work to find new tactics to deal with your animal, yeah, right? Especially when you're already frustrated when, at them. Exactly. So, like, one thing we used to do is we, you know, we would crate our dogs during the day when they were young. Or like putting them in a cage. Yes. Yeah, you buy a large little uh, wireframe type cage. And you put them in there so they don't pee all over the house if they aren't mm-hmm. housebroken yet. And some dogs, even as adults, still get into stuff, so you you might crate them as well. And one thing you can do to calm them down is, like, drape a blanket over it. It's like, maybe Mm -hmm. people do this for birds, too, I think, actually. I think so, yeah. Um, And so it just kind of says, like, hey, it's it's chill time. It's dark time. We're we're chilling here. But, like, you have to go research. What do I do now that my dog is barking, right? Mm -hmm. And that's more work that may or may not be able to be delegated, depending on who who else is in your family yeah. and the kind of per- people that they are, it can just, it just adds more stress. And that is a real thing that mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Set boundaries, but that's work too. So I, I don't, I don't envy you. <laughs> Puppy land. <laughs> yep. But it isn't forever. It's and, not forever. And you have, you can make the choices you want to make. Yes. And, and you can ask for help. Yep. Ask your family for help. Yeah. <laughs> definitely so what have you been inspired by lately melissa well i have fallen into stardew valley yeah that's uh not the most recent game but it's i've heard a lot of people talk about falling into it i certainly spent you did some time 
to play in a lot of Stardew Valley. Back closer to when it was released. Yeah, a little closer. I bought it. I bought it pretty soon after it came out, played it a little bit, had like flashbacks to Harvest Moon and the stress of the clock always ticking and said, ah, no. And now two years later, (laughs) I came back to it based on some screenshots a friend of ours posted that were super cute. And I was like, you know, I should try this again. This is a game where you're managing a farm and also like exploring the space around this little town and having relationships with people, possibly falling in love and marrying them, uh, (laughs) making money by your with your farm and with your mining or whatever yep and fishing and so the the clock is always ticking you wake up at six in the morning the clock moves in 10 minute increments usually by midnight things are like flashing red like go to bed you're too tired or just yeah yeah. um and there are some negative consequences using up too much energy and as you as you do things on the farm like I don't know, breaking stones or hoeing dirt or whatever, you also consume energy. So there's kind of this, the resource management is not just money and space, it is also you as a person, which can be really stressful. So I play with a cheat that allows me to slow down or speed up or stop time Mm -hmm. whenever I want. um, And I find that great. But a lot of people talk about this game as like this meditative experience for them or like this super calm Mm -hmm. because there's no there are no guns in the game as far as i'm aware if you were in the mines you might apply a sword or a slingshot to some skeletons or blobs or like things you can imagine would live in a fantasy mine but it's not a violent game like its core systems are do not revolve around combat yeah the the relationships are very transactional which i do not like but yes um, yeah but, anyway. but but at least they tend to be transactional based on understanding the characters' personalities. Generally. Like, you, you need to actually think of them as characters. It's not just, I'm going to give them the most expensive gift. Right. Um, or have their wiki page open and give them yeah, the thing. Yeah, well, that'll happens. work too. But what I find interesting about this game is not it's like super calm whatever stuff, because it's not for me. I like that I have to choose so you can't do everything you can farm a lot you can mine a lot you can fish a lot but you cannot do all of those things all the time very well yeah you have to decide what am i going to do today right what am i going to focus on this season am i going to do a lot of livestock or am i going to farm am i going to make go the route of making things like wine or am i going to I don't know, like, or am I going to cook everything, right? Like, there, mm-hmm. and there, there's sort of a, sort of a skill tree that, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you only get a few choices. Yeah, in you that advance path. in some ranks and you yeah. pick at certain points, at like, certain I'm going to focus on this or this. Right. And I look up every decision. I'm like, what should I pick? Like, mm. I, I'm not, I don't know. There is an acceptance required to play this game. You cannot, even, even with the time stopping mechanic. I cannot do everything. There is, yeah. It is just... That is not the only resource that limits me. Too much to keep track of. Exactly. Not enough whatever. Not enough money to build enough whatevers, to produce enough whatevers. But the game is beautiful and calming, and it's the kind of game where I can also watch media or listen to podcasts. Yeah. So I've been... You know, I just finished a complete re-listen to Friends at the Table, which is... I mean... 
that's several years of weekly episodes, yeah. each running at least an hour, so that had a lot to get through. And, you know, just catching up on gameplay videos and stuff like that, um, it's a really good game for that. Uh, so anyway, I, I find the, okay, I picked this path, how do I make it work? How do I, maybe optimize is the word, how do I optimize my way along this path? is a lot of fun and it's like it's like it's like a puzzle except not an awful puzzle game yeah i hate puzzle games <laughs> help me not hate puzzle games i think i'll make we'll, one we'll talk well yeah we'll make one and then that'll help <laughs> uh, so what have you been inspired by i've been reading a uh series of comic books called giant days uh it's written by john allison um it's drawn by uh lissa treeman and max Saren, depending on which issue and it's um, paper. Paper, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, it, it's a it's a spinoff, I guess, of the Scary Go Round or um, Bobbins comics that that Allison does on his own. That, that's web comic, okay, based. But Giant Days is the story of three college students, three girls who are roommates and have different personalities, and it's very. Even though it sometimes gets weird mm-hmm. and and often is silly and exaggerated, it's still very down to earth in its plot lines. Like mm-hmm. the conflicts that are happening are like, we need to get an apartment, or I'm having a crisis of romance. Yeah. Or I am having to stay up too late to finish this project that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And it's done. the The dialogue is very very good. I, I think Allison writes some of the best dialogue in existence yeah a good balance between that sort of whedon-esque cleverness that's unrealistic Mm -hmm. but also like a thing that sounds like it is actually coming out of the character's mouth rather than the clever author's mouth yep that is a very tough thing to do yeah but one of the cool things about it is that many of the problems that these characters have are because of their personalities because of who they are as people Mm, okay so Esther is driven by emotion and not necessarily doesn't necessarily think through the things that she does before she does them. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one of the characters uh, is very kind of fastidious and organized, but also gets really enthusiastic about things, and so kind of has to be talked down mm-hmm. from elaborate projects. Another one is very kind of world weary and and cynical mm-hmm. in a way that often means that she doesn't actually go after the things that she wants Uh, yep and so many of the plot lines are about like resolving a conflict that is caused by your personality in a way that works with who you are yeah and so that's it's a it's a really surprisingly engaging story for me like i almost always am reading science fiction fantasy genre works adventure works like I like stories in which a bunch of things happen. Mm-hmm. And which the setting is also... Yeah, the setting is interesting or the in characters yeah. are weird or something. Yeah. And this is not that. Like there's, That is weird for you. From time to time, there is like a comedy level, some sort of fantasy. Like, you know, yeah. there's a mystically messy basement or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. But that's it. And it's... Hmm really cool to enjoy a work that's entirely character driven yeah and is funny and engaging yeah i mean it's it's a page turner for me and that's that's cool yeah that's very different for you yeah Hmm. so how'd you find it 
Um, so I've been following the webcomic for a long time, oh. which is the, the webcomic is, is a little more, uh, is definitely more out there. Um, there are strong supernatural elements in the webcomic, but this is more down to earth. Okay. So that came to mind when thinking about understanding and accepting who you are and how you feel about a thing and then moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a good template for for exploring that sort of path and maybe not making quite as many mistakes as those characters do. Hopefully not. <laughs> so we have any final thoughts on living in puppyland? Yes. Or on dealing with a rough temporary situation in general? Yeah, something that comes to mind is that try to pace yourself on fixing the situation. Yeah. It can be really tempting to be like, okay, I've got three problems. Here is what I should do to solve them. And, and here's all the choices that I need to make. Yes. One, two, three, execute. Right? Yeah. <laughs> make it so. And <laughs> you also have to keep in mind that like you've got those limited resources. Yes. Problem like, number three is your stress level, by right. the way. Yes. Yeah. So you need to... <laughs> your choices should actually incorporate the realism of the situation mm -hmm. and and i think that ties nicely back to the idea that you can't can't make it all happen at once it has to be incremental yeah. you choose okay maybe for now we crepe the dog more often or yeah. like you pick something you do triage yes and you come get... up with the <laughs> most immediate best solved problem yep and, but if you feel like you have to fix everything immediately and fix even even have even feeling like you need to fix something completely can be a roadblock. Yeah. I hate to compare this to the gun situation, but right. You, you I made mean, a if really it's, good... <laughs> if it's worth if it's worth addressing a situation, it's worth addressing some of it. Right, right. It's it's okay if you don't fix the whole thing at once. Exactly. I mean, it's might not be okay. Might be awful, mm -hmm. but it's better than fixing none of it. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what's going to happen if you're going to try to. Mm -hmm. No. Solve your entire dog problem at this, it, it, in one afternoon. Right. So yeah, pace yourself. Be patient. Explore. Recognize that your feelings are going to change. Getting stronger or weaker. <laughs> yeah. Um, and swinging between hate and love and whatever mix in between. And, yeah, both at the same time. And both at the same it's, time. It's not that it's a spectrum. Right. It's that there's a bunch of things you're feeling. Yes. Each feeling will ebb and flow, yeah. I think, is, is probably a better way for me to put that. And that also sounds tiring and like a lot of work, but uh, it's worth doing because it's worth knowing. You get to know yourself a little better. You get to learn a little more about your tolerances and what you can handle and what you like. There's a difference between what we can handle and what we want to handle. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is something that culturally we teach very poorly. Yeah. Um, we don't teach that just because you can do something, yes. it's okay. It is okay to not do a thing that is within your capability because you don't want to. Right. Just do that. That's cool. That's right. fine. Yep. Um, we are taught to suffer just because we are tough or something like that. So, which is silly. Which is silly. Um, unless you want to. So there's that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me today. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweird.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y dash W-E-I-R dot net. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at AudaciousCast, and we'd greatly appreciate likes and follows. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Your sharing is the best way for us to expand our audience. 
I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found at melissaaveryweir at mastodon.social. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir. And together, we run a video game studio called Futureproof Games, uh, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. And we just released a video game, That's The right. Majesty of Colors, yes. available on Steam, on itch.io, available on the Apple Store and the Android Store, and pretty much for every device that you want it for. Yes. Please, please buy it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well... <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, uh, which is available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. And talk to you later. <laughs>